Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. And today we are joined by a special guest. We're joined by Sister Laura, um, who I've had the privilege of knowing for several years and who we've worked together on projects during our MSA time. And she runs the Instagram page, Kind of Halal. Um, and I think the name is self, self-explanatory there, don't you think, Laura? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, yes. It's nice to be here. I feel like I feel like I've made it, knowing that I'm on this podcast. I'm like, this is this is where I'm at now. <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel the other way around. I feel like <laughs> I've made it now. <laughs> no, I made it, man. I'm telling my mom about this one. <laughs> um, but for those who don't know, Laura has a very uh, interesting Instagram uh, Instagram page. Um, and sometimes I'll go on there and I'll learn about you know, some, some activism, some politics. Sometimes I'll go there for a good laugh. Um, I'll see a nice TikTok that Laura has made. Um, uh, but it's it's an it's an interesting page. Uh, why don't you talk to me about, you know, just kind of your page and how, what's your philosophy behind running it? Yeah, I think I think the mission of Kind of Halal was to kind of like reinvigorate the relationships between culture and religion. And it's 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 very common to see a lot of people in our generation moving towards disconnecting from that um and i think you know we're we're more prone to that as people who live abroad we live in canada at the moment and you can see around us that there's a lot of people who sway away from their cultural identity their religious identity and um it's not to blame anyone for that but it's to recognize that there is there's this gap of people feeling not connected to their communities and it's like addressing it in the sense that like yo like we're a family at the end of the day and we can't afford to just kind of like drift off from that so it was just a page um and we do that through just like social discussions social discussions political debates news um a laugh like you said there's a lot of comedy on there just to keep things a little bit lighthearted because you know things can get heavy sometimes but Mm -hmm. um as long as we can keep it lighthearted at the end of the day and learn something then uh we've done our job i guess and you know, it's, it's it's such an interesting topic, the relationship between culture and religion. And I've kind of heard almost all the perspectives uh, on this, but I think there definitely is for like Western Muslims. You know, you come here, you're living in the West, you have an ethnicity from back home, you know, you have a culture which you associate with. But when you get here, you're stuck in like this divide and it's like this identity crisis. Am I Muslim or am I Palestinian? Like, am, am I Muslim or am I like, am I Canadian or Palestinian? Canadian or Pakistani, Canadian or Somali, and like, yeah. you know, it's like, talk to me about that. What What is it that's like kind of bothering these Muslim youth? Um, I think there's a lot of factors. Like, 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 think about it with me. Like, think about the people that we know. People come here. Um, perhaps they come with all of this. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm from I'm from back home, wherever it might be. And you might see a particular stance from people living here, like the locals going, oh, like oh they have assumptions people are scared to be stereotyped into a particular like corner right Mm -hmm. i think i think that causes fear so you'll notice that every time i'll look for an arab i'll be like oh my god are you are you like where are you from i'm canadian like girl i know you're canadian i'm canadian we're all canadian right but where are you originally from right and i didn't understand like why were they so threatened from a question that seemed like an like a conversation starter from like where i am back home right and then i recognized that um people were just scared to see that they were like going to be cornered like i said so that's that's one aspect what do, what do you think a reason might be 
you know, it, it, you know, for, for my personal life growing up, even though I was born in Pakistan, yeah. I came here when I was like four months. So it doesn't really count. I'm based, and I was, I've been raised in the West. You've um, been here since you were four months old? Yeah. Stop. I never knew that. Oh, wait, long, hold on. I think I was gone. I'm, you're so cultured. I'm so confused. Hold on. Wait, wait. <laughs> you, you, you never left back to live back home? No. So I was born there. I came after four months and I went back when I was, I think, a year and a half for just a month or so. And then the last time I went was when I was 21. And I was 21. Um, and I'm you can so, imagine. I'm so confused. But go on, please. I have, I have all, I have my entire mom's side of the family back home. And, wow. and, and you know, honestly, I'll tell you the truth. And this is like a tough pill for most people to swallow. Yeah. But most of us have an inferiority complex with our culture back home. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and for my whole life, you know, from, it's crazy, Laura. My whole life, when I thought of Pakistan, I was like, these are backwards people, you know, these are terrorists. Why would I ever want to go there? And subhanAllah, it deterred me from going back for 20 years until That's I finally crazy. got there. And I realized how beautiful the people were, how beautiful the culture was. And I just felt like, you know, the media has taken away 20 years away from my family. That's crazy. I could I could cry right now. That is, that's powerful. And oh, I, I I like you. You made me. That's crazy, Ahmed. I, I I didn't know that. I thought I was this whole time knowing you. I I don't know why. I just assumed that you know you've been back and forth at least a couple. Um, but yeah, you you hit it on the dot when you said what is it? What did Inferiority what complex. Yeah, that's literally what you said. And I never. I think I think that's where I was coming from. I think. There's a lot of theories that you could put. Maybe people come here and then the locals here, any, anytime they see something different, they'll just be like, we don't want that. These are the negative attributes, which is why we don't want them, to justify why they don't want them. And they believe it so much that they've caused even us to believe yeah. it. You know what I mean? It's intentional. It wasn't an accident. It was yeah. intentional. It's so, it's so that they don't go for the high positions at work it's so they don't go after they don't take over and honestly like i mean alhamdulillah you know we live in a secular society especially in vancouver i think we are more blessed in the sense that there is i think i think it's a healthier environment than the states in some aspects in terms of like equality and cultural awareness and all of that i don't know if you agree or not but that's that's how i see it um do you agree actually well, I think it. I think it depends because what type of country are we talking about? You know, when we talk about a secular country, there's so many different types of secular countries. Some secular countries want to ban the hijab, want to ban the niqab. Um, some of them don't. Some Muslim countries are also very Islamophobic. Yeah. Some aren't. So it's a it's a very big topic. But I, I think ultimately, what really resonates with me um, is a saying from Malcolm X, and I really want everybody to deeply ponder this because it's, it's, he was saying this to the African-Americans and he said, you can't hate the roots of a tree and not hate the tree itself. Yes. Meaning you can't hate your origin, the place that you came from and not end up hating yourself. Wow. And I say this as like somebody who, who wished 20 years earlier, he knew this. Um, my, my, my mom had been back and forth. My family was always calling me, hey, why don't you come visit? 
Yeah. My response was always like, I don't want to be associated with you. I don't want anything to do with you. You guys that are That hurts me. That makes me emotional when you, every time you say that, that just hits hard. I, I mean, for me, alhamdulillah, I, I found my way back to culture a little bit earlier around, uh, sometimes I think that's why representation is so important because what happened is there was like a singer, um, out there named Muhammad Asaf, and he was the first person from my city. And I'm, for the people who don't know, I am from Palestine in Gaza. Um, no one really, barely people make it out of there anyways. So representation isn't the the biggest thing for us. So when there was this one guy who made it out and happened to come on TV, it was my first awareness towards my own people and stuff like that. Um, I found it when I was like 13 or so, and I just had like a, <laughs> like a midlife crisis where I was just like, what is happening? It was an identity crisis in the sense that I, like like yourself, I just had a totally different perspective. I was just like challenging all of these, like this thought that I had my whole life, that this is who I was, that I am Canadian or this or that. And I was like, damn, like I'm part of these people. These people are me and I see the similarities mm-hmm. and the beauty and the culture. I'm like, that's what my family does. And I didn't right. know, and I didn't know that like, it's our culture thing. And then you see it and your upbringing and your values and you're like, whoa, like it was so beautiful. It was a slap in the face and it was intense, no doubt. But mm-hmm. it was like, damn, like these are my people, beautiful, resilient. And I, and, and, I, and even even more than I am, I, I might be a fraction of what they are, right? Um, however, it was, a, it was a very beautiful thing to be associated with like somebody out there, right? <laughs> yeah, and I... I, I and- People might mistake this for tribalism. This isn't tribalism, right? We all we all love each other. Um, we love everybody, whether they're Muslim or not. Yeah. Um, but like this, there's a special like love or reverence we have with people who have the same similarities as we do, right? There's a special love that we have for Muslims in the West because we all understand the struggles that we are going through, right? We have we have we have a yeah, similar way. definitely. Right? And I think what's uh. What's important to add is that despite being from one place, I think it's important to acknowledge that we are from the other places that we've passed through as well. Like, just like you are Pakistani, you are also a Canadian in the sense that you have t- integrated so many different aspects of the culture that we have over here. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and you know, those that comes with pros and cons where you, you might feel a little bit excluded here or there. But the beauty of it is that you get to take a lot of parts of different cultures around with you. And I mm-hmm. think... It's great to acknowledge. So for me, I, I don't, I don't only say that I'm Palestinian, nor do I say I'm only Canadian. It's I find it really important to be like, I am Palestinian Canadian, and I grew up A, B, and C, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll tell you something interesting, Laura. You know, usually if people ask you, if if it's the first time you're meeting someone, they'll ask you, um, oh, what's your name? And you'll say, oh, my name is Laura, and then they'll say, tell me something about you, right? For a second, just think. And, and wonder what 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 do, what do people usually respond with i like dogs <laughs> usually for example if somebody said like to me right yeah. somebody says tell me about yourself mm-hmm. i usually start by saying um you know i'm a student right um, or yeah like I, what you're studying you're really, yeah, yeah. Right, what i'm studying yes so i thought about this a lot and to me it's like the first thing that you say is what you think your identity is like the most important thing about who you are that's interesting that is very I, I changed it now so if people ever ask me oh like tell me about yourself and like they don't know i'm muslim the first thing i'll say is that i'm muslim like, oh, i love that i love that like it's that's reclaiming interesting your, reclaiming that is very your, interesting 
right? So my first thing that I say is 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 where I grew up. Uh, for me, like where I'm from and all of the like the fact that I because people are always like they ask where you're from a little bit later when they're a little bit more comfortable because you know they're yeah. a little bit scared, right? Okay. So um they'll be like, Yeah, tell me something about yourself. I would be like, Yeah, I grew up in Dubai and uh I'm I lived in Spain and I'm Canadian, but I'm originally Palestinian. I was like born in Saudi Arabia. Like I I I throw that on them. And like you do what you want with that information, and what's what's funny is that they can't even categorize me into one stereotype because they're like, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> so that's that's interesting that you say like, oh, I'm Muslim. For me, I don't say that I'm Muslim right off the bat because I think I like to confuse people with their stereotypes before I be at the end of it. I'll be like, and I'm Muslim, and I, I make it clear it's part of my identity. But you'll notice I do something where I'm like, I leave it till the end. So then they'll be like, whoa. I didn't know that you could be Muslim and this, 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 right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. For me, I, I don't know if I'll, I don't know if the conversation will last that long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm dead. No, I, Allahi, I think. <laughs> do you think people just end the conversation quicker? <laughs> like, like I mean, right. sometimes conversations can just end. That's true. Right? 100%. And, yes, and then, what, right. what, like, I'll tell you something interesting. One time, I was flying. Um, and you know, the guy I was flying to the states, and some, and the guy asked me, security officer um like tell me a bit about yourself what, what are you studying um or what are your some of your interests and like right from the get-go i said you know islamic studies is something i'm quite passionate about and his next question was a question about uh, i can't remember exactly it was something related to islam and like the muslim governments and this is like my security officer who's like doing my visa at the same time and it turned into like a 10 10 minute dawah session back and forth it was no, like a whole no, conversation you're kidding um, uh, it was a Latino, uh, Latino man, and like we became friends afterwards. But it's like, for me personally, because it's something I'm so passionate about. Had I saved it to like the end, it's like it's like the statistics shows. I think it's like 50% of Americans have never met a Muslim. Wow. And so if you've never met somebody and you hear these negative perceptions, it's you know don't the person's not crazy when they have these assumptions about mm -hmm. who Muslims are. Yeah, that's that's so that's so uh, important. You know, I I don't necessarily look down on the people in the Midwest, for instance, for having these stereo. For sure, there's ignorance that plays into this because people don't do their own research, and all of this information is online and available for you to look at who Muslims really are. But then, when you think about it, looking from their perspective, when you are spoon-fed—not oh, spoon-fed—you are hit by a truck with all of this information about Muslims and stereotypes and terrorism and all of this exaggerated media that is very toxic to the Muslim community. Um, it only makes sense that you have that sort of perception. And whether you don't even believe in it, there's an internal part of you that still has a negative connotation. Subconsciously, that does something to you. When 99% when of the media that you are consuming is telling you something, mm -hmm. whether you believe it or not, you're going to believe it. Mm -hmm. it's happy it happens with politics it happens with communities it happens it's so easy to be manipulated by media and i think it's one of the reasons why i entered into kind of halal and i have a media platform to kind of change the narrative i play a subliminal role like a very tiny role in media however i can see the ripple effect and i can see how that's changed people come dm me they're almost like lana i always thought this about my own people and you made me you made me explore my own like ethnicity you made me explore my religion you made me curious about and because you you challenge the stereotype and you do that and i think that's kind of the mission and that's what we've been doing 
we're finally we're finally big enough to have reached a demographic that's outside of just the Muslim community. Again and again, will a Hindu come, a Sikh, a, a, like somebody from Ohio or Nebraska or Alabama? Oh my yeah, God, the amount of white people that come over. What would they message you? Like, what would they say? Literally, this guy, I, I would love, oh, my phone's charging right now. I would have loved to show you some messages of people. They're just like a bunch of white people. Oh, I'll show you. I'm going to send you videos after. I have some, um, I have some videos from like live streams and stuff when people come and they're always like, oh my God, like you made me, you made me like look into the Quran. There was like a, she was Hindu. She was Hindu. She was like, you made me look into the Quran and you made me learn so much about Islam. And now I have all of these Muslim friends where I am from. We're like, I'm like, ah, it's so exciting. Um, there was a, there was a Jewish guy, a Jewish guy because he he saw everything that was happening about palestine he started the protest in north carolina or something um mm. because of everything that we were like it's little things like that that like you never know who might be listening that might cause something it was just like so beautiful to see so um it uh, it starts a conversation and that's 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 my intention right now it's not to convert you or make you this person or force an ideology it's like hey hear us out there's this, mm -hmm. there's this world of beautiful, talented Muslims out there in the world. Give us a chance to just represent ourselves for ourselves and not have somebody else tell you who we are, you know? Yeah, and just really just empowering Muslims. Like, just really just, they're just looking for somebody. You know, one of my teachers once told me, he said, you know, if you're working with children, you don't need to give them all of the answers to all of the questions. You just need to let them know that there's somebody else there who has the answer. And I think, it, it, you know, in an age where a bunch of these politicians um, are speaking ill against Islam, we just really need to let people know who our great teachers are. Yeah. The great scholars are the ones who, who are, you know, engaging in politics, the ones who have the answers, because we have answers for everything. But because I imagine myself four or five years ago, yeah. Um, and I was bombarded with all these ideologies, all these beliefs to a point where I was saying like, you know what, maybe all terrorists are Muslim. It's crazy, bro. It's crazy. It'd be like that. SubhanAllah. They get you. They get you like that. And so now it's kind of like, let's, let, let's try educating our population. Like, and I think what you're doing is you're doing it through the way of like comedy largely. And that's a profound medium because everybody loves a good laugh. Yeah, um, it's 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 a interesting approach because you'll realize people in our age like they're not going out of their way to learn about a religion that they don't care about or mm -hmm. culture that they don't even want to be associated with, right? But then when you feed it to them in a way from like a lighthearted perspective, TikToks, meme culture, um, comedy, like it's stuff that they want to take. Like I I don't think. TikToks are the most mature way, but it, it gets the job done because it's such yeah. a fast way to get the message across in a way that they understand. It's a language. It's their own language. And that's how we've appealed to the youth. It started with like memes and then it started with my own video skit content and then it turned into TikToks and now it's like video creation and blog posts. And only until then could you tell them, oh, I also have this source and this source and this sheikh and this person if you want to learn more, right? But you never want to go with all of this high stuff from the yeah. beginning because it's so intimidating. Like, whoa, I, I barely know about what you guys are about, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. Sometimes I get so caught up in the books. That you I know. 
Ahmed, Ahmed, Ahmed. For the people who don't know, Ahmed, um, he used to run the Muslim Student Association and our university and he is what, what so, and i feel like that's why we relate so much to each other in the sense that we do have the same mission um and and i think you've done a wonderful wonderful job being so like great at just easing people and having conversations he would literally go stand in campus and just have conversations with people mashallah he would literally just kind of like talk to strangers who just wanted to learn about it or pass qurans and like or whatever like resources in the most in the nicest way with the biggest smile and i think that approach was so appealing to so many people on university and what i love about that was the fact that he never underestimated the impact that it could have made and that ripple effect because he had a conversation with me not knowing where my religiosity was um at and i think there was a time where i think it might have been our first conversation or second um and he he was just trying to like talk to me about Islam and all that and then I, I hit him with the whole kind of halal thing and then he was he was kind of like whoa like my I don't know if you remember that conversation. I remember I remember I remember the exact moment where I was standing what time of the day it was and he said it to me in my mind and I remember like the demeanor you had when you were explaining it to me and I was like it's like what's she trying to tell me and then I heard and I said and then the, you know the most uh shocking thing to me about that Lara was Everybody was following you, but I had never heard of the page. <laughs> that was fun. Your own brother, your brother followed me. He saw his own. Tell him, tell him about that. I, I forgot. It was. um. Yeah, I was just looking at it and I was like, my brother's following you. I'm like, he doesn't even know you. I know you. <laughs> <laughs> that is so um, funny. But I, I think, you know, mediums like these are extremely powerful. And just that, yeah. you know, conveying the basic message, just trying to present the religion in just, you know, a very natural, comedic yes. way, which is completely fine, right? It's completely fine. You have to be careful, way. though. You got to be okay. careful, though. In what way? Like, think about it. Like, you don't, there's a, I think a lot of people have that intention on TikTok. However, they, uh, you know, they cross a line or two. And religion and comedy, yeah. you want to be careful where you want to mix that, right? And even if it's not comedy, if you want to present it in politics, if you want to present it in this, I feel like I have a huge responsibility because of the amount of people that see my content, you know? Like, think mm -hmm. about it. Like, if I make one mistake, that's going to follow me until the day of judgment. So it's very important to mm -hmm. be factual. It's very important to be to, to speak with integrity and credibility and all of these things. And, there's, and it's totally okay to be like, you know what, guys? I don't know. I'm going to step down from this one, but I'll present you with somebody else who might know a little bit more than I do, right? It's mm -hmm. very, very, it's, people don't recognize that. Ahmadullah, there's so many mm -hmm. people who are like, no, I have to be right and I have to answer it. Like, wallahi, it's better to say that you don't know than just get something out of nowhere just to feed. Like, it's you mm -hmm. you don't seem smart. In fact, mm -hmm. it's it's probably ignorance. And then you're using your credibility or your platform to spread more ignorance, and that's gonna ripple. Like, it's it's dangerous. You gotta be careful with that. You feel me? Yeah, I mean, for me, I was more so focused on um, like comedy in relation to Muslims rather than Islam. Mm -hmm. um, I think those are two yeah, very yes, yes, um, very true, very true. You're right. You know, this is a huge response. I, like for me, you know, maybe I, you know, I'll drop a podcast in total, a thousand people will listen to it, um, and I'm like, that's a thousand people who, if I said something wrong and they took from it, I'm the one who's going to get screwed for it. And so I just imagine. You know, with all, you know, social media can either be your easy way to paradise 
or it can even with good intentions take you in the opposite direction. A hundred percent. And you know what, Ahmed? And because because you believe that, and I'll I'll bring I'll show you how real it is. I totally believe that there was a part where I was this close to deleting kind of halal. I've never shared this with anyone, but it's because you're part of the story that I'd like to share this with you. Um, where I was going to just end everything. I didn't. There was no purpose. There was no goal. There was no. It was just there, and I was just like what the heck what am I doing I don't know what and then I just kind of took a break from it a little bit and then stumbled across you during our conversation and there's something that you told me that stuck with me for the rest of my life like it's gonna it's gonna stick and this is why I I I have so much respect for you you said something that was like and it was funny because I thought you were going to like judge me or or think or tell me to just humble myself in some sort of way but what you said was that like Lada like Allah gave you this platform what are you going to do with it like he put you in a position of influence and when you started saying those things it made me very conscious about the opportunity that was presented to me because like it's like Allah had given me that and it made me really reinvigorate my purpose about what what I was doing and what I'm going to do with it. I remember there was this one time during a harder time in my life that you were also there for me um, where I was just crying, Ahmed. And I was just like, I was crying from happiness, actually. There was people DMing me, telling me, Lada, you changed my life. I started reading about Islam. I started doing this. I started doing that. And I bowled my eyes out. I cried so much. And then I was like, I made dua. And it was because of you. I was like, if there is khair, and Baraka and my give me this page and reinvigorate my intentions with this page because I, I kept remembering what you were telling me about like what am I gonna do with this page and inshallah like if I can bring goodness out there then I hope I can continue to get a bigger platform and if this is something that's not gonna help me in my akhirah then Allah take it away from me and I made that dua crying bro. <laughs> And alhamdulillah, I have, uh, we're doing great. We've reached, I don't know, uh, maybe like 40, 50, 60,000 followers, 70,000 fo 70, followers since then. Um, mm. And we've taken on projects and charity projects and like talking to people and networking and um, like workshops. And it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just been so beautiful ever since. So I have, I have you to thank for that. So I just want to say thank you because <laughs> I've never had the chance. SubhanAllah. You know, if, if, if there was ever any good that came out for anything I said, know that it came from Allah. I was just kind of like the, the puppet. He's that so humble. He's so humble. He won't even take credit for that. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. Jazakallah. Because yeah, sometimes in your life, Allah, uh, Allah will speak to you. And sometimes Allah will speak to you with words on the tongues of other people. And so that might have been a message directly from Allah to you, Laura. And I was just a means um, at conveying that. But it's you know i i look at my dms right and i get i get dms and i get you know muslims or non-muslims saying you know alhamdulillah you know you've helped me with this but i just imagine you know i i can go through all my dms you probably can't go through them all <laughs> because there's so many um and it's it's, it's such a powerful medium laura like it's, it's i i know you de you're definitely aware of it but to me you know i think when the when I think Lebanon was happening, when there was that yeah, disaster in Lebanon, right. you guys did a fundraiser, correct? Yeah, um, we had the privilege of working with Human Concern International and um, some great partners. And alhamdulillah, we, we, we 
start a fundraiser and people were quick to donate and that was really great and i think i think fundraising is something where uh this online uh these online pages can be so profound because i i can't remember the exact number how much you fundraise but my mind was blown like well lucky i was like this is an extremely powerful medium that Lara has. Yeah, and I can't take all the credit because a lot of people helped me share it and everything. But together we were able to share. I think it was like thirty thousand in within within mm. like three four days, which was which was incredible. Um, and then after that, we raised another thirty thousand for Gaza during the summer, mm-hmm. and that was just from kind of halal alone. And then different projects that we worked with other people. Uh, we worked with. Muslims of the world, and they gave mm-hmm. me a beautiful opportunity to fundraise for a mosque in Indiana, which opened recently this summer. It's like uh-huh. projects like these, and it's not to say that I did this. It was a community effort of people who wanted to fundraise, to help share, um, to share on their platforms. It was like a group. It felt like an Ummah project. It felt like a mm-hmm. community project, which was really, really nice to be to play a very small role in all of it. Uh, keeps me eternally humble and thankful and grateful and I and I pray to God that that I've had these opportunities and how do you feel sometimes you know the the self the nafs can kind of want to take credit for all these things saying I was the one I I swear to God that um, it's a test from Allah I believe that this all of this good even with the barakah that we are playing a role in this is still a test from god because god wants to see how you're going to react to that when he gives Mm -hmm. you success it's a test because allah tests us with our failures and our success and you know that more than i do right and wallahi i have been challenged because it's so easy to see huge numbers within followers within likes thousands millions or whatever it might be and then you see yourself as Oh, like what? It's so easy. It's just human nature to be proud of yourself at some point, yeah. right? And there's a difference between being proud of yourself and, um, you know, being egotistical yeah. about it. Um, it's important. I pray very often with it, within tears and in my salah that Allah purifies my intention with everything that I do again and again. And I'll say it again that Allah purifies my intention with everything that I do. That's just how important it is. Because uh, subhanAllah, like I might be doing all of this and if I don't have the right intentions, then it might, like you said, just take me the other way around, right? But you know, you know, Lara, one thing I will say though is the fact that you're even asking yourself these questions is a good sign. Because it's the people who, it's the influencers who are not asking these questions and who have amassed these large followings, they're the ones who, are at the, who, have, who have a real problem. Yeah, I think it's important... It's not a problem. It's about self awareness. It's important to recognize, like, subhanAllah, maybe if you didn't have that conversation, I wouldn't have asked myself that question. Or maybe wouldn't have taken it that seriously. Recognize that Allah has given you success, that Allah is testing you what you're going to do with that success, and make sure you don't fail that test because Allah can take it away just as fast, right? Mm-hmm. But that being said, it's important to not see yourself better than anyone. And no one is better than you. I think we all have different journeys on our Islamic journeys, and we're just we're we're in it. We're all in it for the same thing. What part do you play on this journey? And we're all trying to help mm-hmm. each other. You feel me? So, alhamdulillah, you know, maybe I can put things in a in a easy to consume way. Maybe that's that's the part that I play in all of this in terms of the influence. Um, 
and it's it's important to not see myself better i think i lack a lot of knowledge i think mm -hmm. also recognizing that i, I have a lot of gaps mm -hmm. You, you you do too i think you mashallah if you see behind him it's all islamic books this guy knows what he's talking about but um but yeah i think i think um it's important to to check yourself once in a while at the end of the day like humility allah will not let let what was i think you know the hadith that allah will not let anyone enter jannah with even a mustard seed worth of pride right. and when i think of that that scares me a little bit i think about like do i have pride when i look at my page my followers the mm -hmm. amount of money we raised all of these projects that i'm like really and now alhamdulillah i'm working every day to to humble myself and remember that this is for the sake of allah and nothing else so it's a challenge and i will admit it however alhamdulillah mm -hmm. i think i think we're okay i think we're okay <laughs> Yeah, you know, one thing I've mentioned on this podcast, I think you you find interesting is um, yeah. there's a saying from Rumi who says, um, your audience is always an audience of one. And what he was highlighting is at the end of the day, there's only one viewer. There's only one quote unquote follower. There's only one person really who's looking at your material and that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and for me, it's a reminder that if, if that one viewer is dis displeased with what I'm posting, then I can have a billion people watching and I'm still the biggest loser. And so everything that I want to post, that I want to discuss, I need to make sure that that one viewer, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is pleased with the content that I'm creating because otherwise it's just all useless. If I'm doing it for other people, then my ego is getting satisfied. And then I start to tell myself, look how good I am. Look at all the followers. Yeah. The downloads I've yeah. It's crazy. SubhanAllah. So it's, it, pride is that, pride is the one topic that people, you know, uh, somebody once said that um, people will admit to being, uh, like people will admit all their faults, but they'll never say that they're prideful. It's like <laughs> kind of like the last thing to come out. Like, oh, you know, by the way, I have pride. <laughs> Um, so I have a question for you. Yeah. For this is for me and anyone there listening. For anyone who does have success in their life, who have accomplished anything, what advice do you give them to continue being humble and make sure that you know they don't feed into their ego? There's an Arabic proverb. Um, it says it's something along the lines of "Foka, um, Over everybody who knows something, there's someone who knows more. But that's that's how I remind myself always: is that as many books that I have, as many things that I've read, my teachers have read ten times more than I have, and they've read nothing compared to what our great scholars have, and they've done nothing. It's like, it's like a story of Khidr and Musa. And Khidr tells Musa, like the duck that's drink, drinking water in the ocean, the, the knowledge of the human being is the water that the duck has drank. But the whole ocean yeah. is, is, uh, is the knowledge of Allah. Yes. And oh, so if you compare oh, yourself yeah. to, to your teachers, you're nothing compared to them. And they're nothing compared to their teachers. And they're nothing compared to the Prophet. Yeah. And, yeah. and so at the end of the day, you're, you're special, but 
at the end of the day, you're not, you're nowhere near. <laughs> you're special, but you're not that special, sweetheart. Sit down. <laughs> yeah. So this is what I tell myself repeatedly. I, I remind okay. myself. Um, right. And I don't, like, when I look at my subscribers, uh -huh. I just say there's, there's one subscriber. Yes. So, so what advice do you have for me, for someone who has, like, a lot of followers in terms of humili humility? Well, what I would say is look at some of the pages that are bigger than you. <laughs> I can't. Look at the ones who have massive, massive followings and just be like, my page, you know, it's special, but compared to them, it's like, it's not much. So what advice would you give to those people then? To those people who are up to, well, like, like, like the Arabic proverb says, there's always somebody that's higher than you. Let's say I'm number one on social media. What advice would you give to me now? My advice at that point would be that I'll just always that. remember. Just always, if there's a moment where you think that your pride has taken control of you and that you've started to think that you're doing this for the wrong sake, disengage. Leave for a time. right? And if you look at the seerah, the Prophet wasallam, would always go back to the cave. Isolate yeah. himself from society. Do a social media cleanse until you feel like you know you're ready to yeah. come back into the game. I love that. I think that's what I'm doing right now. Um, not not because of pride and ego. More to, more to say that um, things can get chaotic sometimes after political and all of that. Um, yeah, it's just been some craziness. So I've just taken some a week or two. I'm just like low volume. I'm posting just low mm -hmm. volume a little bit um and there's nothing wrong with that considering the fact that i've been doing this for four years i think it's very healthy to go low volume a little bit mm -hmm. here and there for my own <laughs> my own reflection my own self-growth uh to care about my personal life and all of that because there was a time where i was just neglecting my personal life and my personal goals and university even um and everything the personal relationships for the sake of the page, I I was I was cutting my like my soul, my blood, my sweat, my tears into the page. And alhamdulillah, I think that's part of why the reason why it became so successful. However, it's not necessarily healthy, so it's important mm -hmm. to balance is very important. I've learned that. And I can relate with you, Laura. I mean, you saw me during the MSA days. It was like, okay, you got this event, this meeting, like. Allah <laughs> العافيه. I hope I. No, no, Ahmed was just not everywhere. It was so hard to even have a conversation with him sometimes because he was just like, people were lining up to talk to this guy. <laughs> oh, so, you know, it was only after I left that I really realized how much I was neglecting my family and my own personal life. Mm. Um, and then I started to really focus on myself. And I was reminding myself, like, these people, including yourself, are your first priority. And don't try to fix, you know, don't try to fix other people's families if you can't fix your own so that is very interesting yeah sometimes people around me like they kind of like mm, i do a lot of like advice or motivation or i or whatever on my social media like don't backbite start praying and whatever but i think it's what's more important is to concentrate in your own community and within your own circle within your own family before you go to the world and say all this just like with and I, and I learned that in Islamic class where they taught us that for charity for instance before you give charity to to whoever needs it on the street see your in-laws figure out your if your cousins are okay make sure 
things are good and running within your own circles and your own families before you mm -hmm. go to the general public because it starts at home. It starts at home. Exactly. exactly. And the hadith says, Aslihu rihalakum. Like, like rectify your families. Because mm -hmm. that's the basis of where it begins. And if you keep focusing on other people and yeah. not at the same time focus on yourself and your family, that's how burnouts happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how burnouts happen. Yeah, man. It'd be like that. Wallah, I, I burnt myself after the Palestine thing. I had to take like, it was, I pushed my, I would have like two hours of sleep, wake up and then raise money, raise money, raise money, post, give like, news articles this is what's happening fight the zionist I, it was a war online it was so crazy and it wasn't just for me for everybody we were ha it was a literal like parallel to the war that was happening online we were fighting with social media networks with the news with everything that was said about us on top of trying to bring the light and the real information to people getting our sources fact checking it and then it would get deleted and then you would have to bring it back and then risk i got banned a couple of times on tiktok as well as all of my friends and fighting and email and call it it was so chaotic there were some pages like muslim who were going through meetings with instagram talking to them about what was it was insane so wow. like subhanallah and again it's, it's never to compare that to what was happening in Gaza or in palestine mm -hmm. but it was chaotic for the muslim and the palestinian ummah and everyone who was involved um but yeah so burnout happened for a lot of people where a lot of people were just like and that's why it's it ended so quickly because the people who yeah. were doing a lot they were making up for the people who weren't working as hard and then they burnt out and then everyone thought it was done but it was still going people mm -hmm. were still being prosecuted people were still being wrongfully detained people were still being yeah you know th that's social media for you. It's it's like a roller coaster. It is. There will be, be moments where everybody's talking about something, where all the hype will come, and that's like the time to make change. Like at yeah. you know, we passed like that the, the BDS motion, <laughs> um, and subhanallah, <laughs> it's great. And then we had the protest as well. Mm -hmm. um, I remember I filmed one of your speeches as well. Like it was crazy time. It was a crazy time, and then the cycle drops. And everybody it'd be like that i think during that time i wasn't looking at followers i wasn't looking at views i wasn't looking at anything i was just on like autopilot mode i was narrow visions i had my goal and i was running like a freaking machine it was like a machine bro uh -huh. but uh, interesting times very interesting i learned a lot but i mean i feel like if there's one good thing that came out of that was that it brought a lot of the muslim pages and the muslim women and the palestinian community together and realized that like we're stronger together and we saw the impact when we came together like we started let's let's do this on social media let's do this on protests let's do when we came together the world started shaking within the democratic what is it the democratic party like for the first time there was more palestinian people for the palestinian side for the first time like in history for the first time in history the news it was like here it was the new york times um for the first time in history that actually recognized the number of children that were dying this summer because of you know israel and yeah my point is we're stronger together and uh i hope that resonates with people because i think we have a competitive nature and no matter how successful you are by yourself you're not as strong as how you can be when we come together and make a change you know 100 percent. and i think i think this is you know, the, the bridging between, you know, 
you know, the actors, the podcasters, the social media influencers, the academics, like if yeah. we can bridge this all together and get on the same page, because I think, because ultimately we have the numbers, right? We're 1.8 billion by 2050, we'll be the largest group in the world. Are so we not already? Are we still second? Yeah, so 2050 is when uh, Muslims will surpass Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so it, it's like these connections are just, we, if as long as we're on the same page with one another, yeah. we can triple, if not quadruple, all of the efforts that we have. And unity is ultimately what made the Prophet wasallam so successful because he just united all the tribes together. And he said, look, we're on the same page, guys. Yeah, like we're, yeah, subhanAllah. Right there's and there, there was no there was no tribalism. The tribalism was removed. Mm. Was, we're all one ummah. Wherever you come from, we're just on the same team, right? And we're all trying to get to the same destination. Let's go there together. It's not a competition. It's not a competition. There's enough room for all of us to get to paradise. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Right? It's not like musical chairs. You know, you have to fight for a chair and push the person off. No, everybody has a chair there. Yeah. Let's just take each other there. And just, you know, work together, right? And it, it's not hard. I think this is a message people need to understand. To, to just practice the basics of Islam is not hard. It's very easy. And to always remind oneself that any time you have any shortcoming, any time you've missed Salah, any time, you know, you're not out of control, yeah. always remind yourself that Allah is on your team, that Allah wants you to succeed. Allah wants you to get to paradise. And so... If you have a shortcoming, just like if you mess up, you know, with your parents, you just apologize, you ask for forgiveness, and then you learn and you move from your mistakes. You got me reflecting on your own podcast, Ahmed. Do your guests just sit down and they just start, start contemplating their whole life for like, how does it go? <laughs> Usually I'm the one contemplating. We're the one that contemplates. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, it, it's a crazy journey, I think, that we're on. Um, and it's, it's, it's a journey filled with struggle. It's filled with pain. Um, and Allah never said it was going to be easy. Allah said, do you think that you will, you will say you believe and you won't be tested? We tested the ones before you, so we'll definitely test you as well. Yeah. Um, and it's that every, everything we go through in our life is part of the purification. Right? If, 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 if everybody just pauses for a second and thinks about the difficult moments in their life, the traumatic moments, they'll realize that those were the moments that helped them grow, that helped them mature. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's through suffering that we can grow and we can become the people that we want to be. And it's not something that we should look down upon and say, why is this happening to me? But it's more so, what is my reaction going to be about this? What am I going to do about it? Right? Am I going to complain? Am I going to say, why does that person have so much wealth? Why does that person have such a beautiful car? Um, but here I am, I'm stuck. You don't know because the cycle of life is the wheel of fortune. Sometimes you're on top and sometimes you're at the bottom. 100%. Right, And if you're at the bottom, you know, the Sahaba always used to say, we wish we were at the bottom because we knew we would be at the top soon. <laughs> Rather than being at the top and get realizing that we're going to fall soon. Right? Allah. No, I admire you for the sake of Allah, for, for the knowledge that you, you bring to our community and everything. So so it is great to hear. And, and 
there's times where where this guy's speaking and I, I don't even want to speak the fuck with you on my podcast i just want to like listen to you like i'm gonna go back and like listen to every to all your podcasts now <laughs> but um you know i do think we, we live in an age and you know our experience in the msa really shaped us um it gave us an experience of what are some of the problems that people are going through 100 yeah, do you feel right? like people come to you with their problems when you were in msa was that like were you like <laughs> yeah i you know I, I i always say that part of being an msa president is being a counselor uh, um, literally i thought you were like that person everyone confessed everything to it's like oh father I'm, like, I'm not a priest bro i'm just the msa president that is so funny i don't get paid enough for this <laughs> Don't at all, but uh, <laughs> I think I think I was one of those people at some point. I was like Ahmed, as if like Ahmed has all the answers, but um, he kind of does. He kind of does. I won't lie. <laughs> everybody, you know, everybody has a counselor, right? Every, yeah. Even counselors have counselors, yeah. right? Um, there, there's this book called "When the Body Says No," and it talks about how stress um, leads to many of these diseases that occur. Um, and many of us are living with stress. And one of the best ways of releasing it is just saying it to someone. Yeah. No, I remember, it was so personal, but I was going through something, and um, although I had spoken to a couple of people, until I had spoken to Ahmed, I remember, like, I was just, I just, I just let my guard down. I just, like, cried my heart out. And um, everything that, uh, all the advice that he said. And I thought he was going to judge me. I don't know why, despite that, I thought, you, I always... I always assume MSA authority will judge you for for whatever. But anyways, he was a very, very open-minded, very a really great listener and just related everything back to Islam and acknowledged what went wrong and what went right. So just a very, very mature conversation that was very helpful. I remember ending that and then ever since that conversation, things started going uphill. Wallahi, every ever since then, I know I've never said this to you. I feel like I'm just like I'm telling you everything right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember I remember these little details, and uh, I thank you heavily. And I think there's no words that I could say that can uh, explain to you the how great it was to just like hear from you, or what the what were the things, all of the success that I had led afterwards i think um there's no words i think i think uh i pray i pray that allah shows you one day through baraka and i pray that allah allah grants baraka purifies your intention with the work that you're doing because you know i i think it's a struggle with myself with the, with the small number of people i have looking at my content and so i can only imagine when the numbers get bigger the devil likes to come shaitan likes to come and say hey lara got a big following like you earned it you're better than other people and it's always like kind of have to just you know there's a saying one one person once said that uh most people think that they're fighting the devil but in reality they're his best servants because everybody always says oh like i'm fighting shaitan like i'm trying to do this with good intention yeah that's how he tricks people he tricks it's you into so it's so easy to say i'm I'm talking about Islam. So I've done my job. I've done my fair share. But uh -huh. it's like, how do you react to the success that that gives you, right? SubhanAllah. Uh -huh. And what's harder is that it's so easy to seem so genuine and sincere on camera. Yeah. 
and it's it's to the extent that you won't even see it within yourself it's like an inside inside like there's a hundred thousand people looking at me and my video over and over no one gets to see that intention deep down which makes it so hard for somebody to give you that advice to be like make sure you humble yourself make instead what you're hearing is Lara, that is amazing. Lara, you are the most influential person. You have changed my life. You have, and when you're bombarded with all of these comments, it's so easy to be blinded with that and not question yourself. So it's so important to have discussions like these where it keeps you grounded. So I thank you for that because it's it's so, well, it's it's a it's a test from God. It's something that I'm going through. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Um, I think I think I'm okay. For the most part, I think there was a time where it got to my head, but um, until only until I I prayed for Allah to purify my intentions did the page really take off. And for that, for, and for that, Subhanallah, you 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 see how consistent it is. Um, Subhanallah, Subhanallah, is all I can say. And I, I think ultimately, like we're, we're all going through the struggle. All of us are. Everybody that's a social media content creator, we're all going through it. But what I always like to remind myself, um, what I always like to tell myself is do everything for the sake of Allah. Just if it's not for the sake, there, there's a saying of Labid. He was a, he was a, he was a poet during the time of the Prophet And the Prophet said, the truest thing that I've ever I've heard any poet say is what Labid said. And Labid said, everything other than Allah is bottle, is empty, is vanity. Wow. Anything other than Allah. If you're doing it for any other sake, it's useless. And it's better that you don't do it. Oh. So just the fact that we're having this conversation shows we're in a good place. Right, sure. that we're talking about pride and how powerful this is, and it, it, it all most of the things we do in life can be traced back to pride. A lot of the problems people deal with, um, you know, you ran for student body, it's it's very prideful. I am running for candidate. <laughs> oh my god, I did that was a crazy time, and I was there was a lot of uh, ego in the air everywhere it was crazy and i i recognize that ahmed that time running for a student body like like made me check myself it was right after i was going through everything and i just challenged myself and i took that challenge and it started it made me question it put me in positions that made me question a lot of my morals and that's what it does when you get into any political environment um whether you're doing it for the right reasons, are you going to go through loopholes or are you going to cheat your way? Because you can, it's so easy to cheat your way in and then justify it by saying, I will do good when I get that position. Mm -hmm. But the way will Allah give you the barakah when you take the wrong route to try to get that. Eventually I, I opted out um, and I decided that it was it wasn't worth it for this dunya and the, you know, mm -hmm. to to do to go through with everything for for my personal experience, um, but it did really test uh, it tested uh, it tested me it tested my patience being with a lot of ego like a lot of, there was a lot of ego there was a lot of ego everywhere it was very very interesting time. <laughs> but you know, see, somebody could go through something like that and lose, and then say, 
why is Allah doing this to me? Like, I really wanted it. Yeah. Ultimately, how do you know that it was good for you? Right? Allah says, maybe you think something is good for you, but it's bad for you. Yeah, 100%. Maybe you think something is bad for you, but it's good for you. And Allah mm. knows and you don't know. Yeah. My dad, my dad gave me that way of thinking since he, I was young. And it's it's parallel to what you're saying is that, subhanAllah, you might get that position and then you might make a decision that will affect your akhirah so heavily that it's not worth it for you to even be. SubhanAllah, Allah might be saving you from something. When you have that mentality and you have that level of talaqan, then I swear to God that you just... That's why Islam is so relieving. Because mm -hmm. whether you win, whether you lose, you believe that everything happens for a reason. And it's so beautiful when you actually think about what happens. Like, SubhanAllah, maybe you didn't get that job offer of whatever it might have been because you, you might have done something terrible. And that would have affected you for eternity and hellfire or subhanAllah, you never know. Allah's protecting us in ways that we don't even recognize or think on on higher levels too. It's 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 beautifully comforting. Yeah, and it's like um uh it's it's like sometimes uh like there's a saying of Imam Abu Hanifa who said like if the if the military leaders, if the kings they knew the the power that Islam had and the, what it was giving us, they would come at us with their swords trying to take it, right? No amount of money you can spend will give you something like tawakkul or like other, nothing. I think that's why people are after Islam so often. It's threatening. It can, it can seem threatening because if Islam was implemented everywhere, imagine how much money we would have taken. Like no people, there would be no debt in the world. There would be no drugs there would be no addiction there would be none of that right mm -hmm. and what that does is that that doesn't give them money right yeah. so like i can i can see how a lot of people would challenge islam for their own interests mm -hmm. and as one of our philosophers said yeah i just recently read his post he said in an age where alcoholism is prevalent um where promiscuity is is prevalent adultery all of these things materialism uh, suicide, he said, obviously Islam would be seen as something strange. And why would we want, and, and he said, he, he mentions the hadith that says Islam began as a strange thing and will return to being a strange thing. So blessed are those who are strange. And so you should be strange in today's world. If you're not, then something's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Nah, right? like, if people are looking at you today and they're like, why is she wearing that hijab? Why is he praying five times a day? Like, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he so much in love with God? We should say, Alhamdulillah. Like, Alhamdulillah. Yeah. And I think, I think what's interesting to note for the people listening is that there will come a time, I don't know if it's a hadith and you can, you probably know it, where there will come a time where we're holding on to your religion is as you are holding on to a hot coal. Is that correct? Yeah. Do you know who that's by? So I'm I'm sorry. Right. So so religion it's a test. It's a test for a reason, which means only the strong will survive. It's so easy to be part of the majority. It's about who of those from the Ummah are going to take that step to try to be different, to try to stand out to Allah, to try to make a difference in their life to acknowledge when they make a mistake they try to get back up again and they acknowledge you know it's it's a it's a whole journey and i think allah tests us in different stages of our lives i think 
now it's probably just not falling into peer pressure and then when you're married it's how you're going to treat your family are you going to be good to your wife are you going to provide are you going to fulfill your islamic duties and when you're a child it's like are you being influenced by the right people like, i think it's it's so beautiful that allah gives us so many different chances thousands of chances as well as tests us very differently for different things so so whatever you might be going through right now in your life recognize that it is a blessing an opportunity from Allah to do the right thing and make a mistake and get back at it. And everyone has their own journey and Allah tests us all differently as well. So subhanAllah, I think there's a lot of beauty that comes with that too. Yeah, and you know, if, if there's one last point that I would uh, love the readers to take away with um, is that is there's a hadith that says, Al-mu'minu mir'ata mu'min, that, the, that the believer mirrors the believer. And one thing I noticed just from an MSA perspective and like yeah. with my experience is the people you surround yourself with will determine who you are and take a moment and really look at the people that you're really spending your time with and realize they're having an effect on you. And if you feel like they're not the best of friends and that they're having a negative attitude toward uh, your religion, uh, towards your consciousness, um, Look elsewhere and find people that you can relate with that, can, that will remind you of your religion and that can push you forward. Not in a judgmental way, but always just like we're all on the same team here, right? There's a famous African yeah. leader that yeah. says, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together, right? Have your team and have them continuously push you forward. And you'll see years down the road that this was one of the best decisions you ever made in your life. Yeah. SubhanAllah. I'm taking note of everything that you said. Are there any final remarks you have, Laura? Mm, I feel like I could go on forever, honestly, from thanking you, from listening to you and everything. I do, I do hope that you bring me on again. Once again, there's so much that we could talk 100%. about. 100%. I would definitely like to we can do it again, inshallah. Inshallah. Um, but I think with that, we will conclude today's session, inshallah. Inshallah. Um, it was uh, honestly a pleasure having you, Lara. Um, having somebody, uh, you know, somebody who I do admire, somebody who's done great work, um, and will continue to do great work, inshallah, and with pure intention, inshallah. Inshallah. Um, is that we we all push each other. We all. Our goal is to bring ourselves closer to Allah and to better our own lives. I think that's what both of us are really after with this online work that we're doing. Just trying to help as many people as we can. Um, not getting so caught up on the quantity, but on the quality. 100%. And knowing that if we do, you know, and I'll conclude with the last line of Malcolm X's autobiography. Uh, and I think this speaks for both of us. He says, all the good that I've done, please attribute it to Allah and all the evil that I've done attributed to me, not Allah. So if there's any good that has ever come about the work Lara has done or the work that I have done, know that that came straight from Allah. But if there was anything that we posted that you felt was problematic, that was bad, that there was evil in it, know that it was from us, it was from our own selves. Yeah. <laughs> right? And don't, and, oh, and, and, and this is the last thing that I really want to emphasize is um, I mentioned it in my previous podcast, but um, the, uh, there, there's a hadith it's a hadith khudsi so it's uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking saying that I am in the opinion of my servant 
if my servant finds good of me, then that's what he'll find. And there's a story of a young boy who was very heedless. You know, he was messing around like all children are during their childhood. And his mom told him like, like, son, you need to worship Allah. Like, mm. never forget that. Yeah. And he told his mom, don't worry about it. Like, let me just go out. Let me just have my fun. And so as a child grows, he gets sick and he ends up on his deathbed. And so his mom looks at him and his mom says, didn't I tell you in your childhood to use this time to worship Allah and to do your salahs and to take care? And he responds with a beautiful line. And he says, um, I have a good opinion of my Lord. And I know because I have that opinion, he will have mercy on me. And he passes away and he appears in his mother's dream. And his mom says to him, oh, my son, what did God do with you? And he said, he granted me his paradise because I had a good opinion of him. I always remind, like, basically, I always reminded myself, God is the most forgiving, the most loving, the most merciful. And because he has those qualities, I know I have my shortcomings like everybody else. But because of that, I feel like he'll have mercy on me. And so the opinion you have on God is ultimately who God is going to be for you. SubhanAllah. Yeah, bro, you made me emotional, like for the third time, this podcast. <laughs> JazakAllah for, for your knowledge and for the way you speak yeah. and everything that you, you've passed on to me and everyone listening, inshallah, I do appreciate it. Allah. I encourage everybody to follow Laura's page. Um, it's in her name, Kinda, under uh, underscore Halal. Um, and it's a good mix of trying to get some comedy, but also some good Islamic reminders. Um, and uh, if you have any topics, please feel free to reach out to us on, on Instagram at Ahmed Khan Podcast. Um, and we hope you benefited from this. Jazakallah khair. Thank you once again, Lara. Really appreciate it. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum.